hello. Hey, 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 this is Laura. And this is Ardeen, and welcome to What Happens After Dark. Yes, gosh, I feel like we haven't recorded it in a while. I'm excited to get this done. Me too, because this episode is going to rock your mental health. Yeah. I mean, this killer is insane. Yes. Insane. Yeah, and California people, you'll probably remember this dude, and it's going to probably be at least two episodes, if not three. Yeah. So it's definitely going to be a long haul, but I don't want to give it all to you in one episode because I feel like it's mental health, you wouldn't, it just, it breaks you down. It literally broke me down. But yeah, to get started, what did we do yesterday? We had some fun. We had fun. We went to the movies. We saw Knocked at the Cabin. That was yeah. some crazy mo- movie. At first, I thought they were just lunatics. I did too. I thought they and were. And you didn't there. know yeah. until the very end that it was real. So it's a very interesting, good movie. I love M. Night Shyamalan, and I feel like he does so good. The only one I have not liked of his is the movie called Old. I was very bored with that movie. Okay. I don't know if you saw it. It was The setting was like at a beach, and they couldn't get off the beach, but they grew old within like hours and died. It was really freaky. Oh. Um, but it turned out to be like an experiment that these people were doing, and so... Oh. But yesterday, that was good. And Dave Bautista is not one of my most favorite people in the world, but he did amazing. He did a good job. Yeah. He I, does good movies. Yeah. I'm surprised. I and like I him. just loved, like, the um, setup of it because it was, you know, LGBTQI couple. And mm-hmm. I just, that always just um, tugs at my heart. So, and the little girl, whoever that actress is. She's so cute. She was so adorable. adorable. And she was smart and she did good. She did amazing. And what I loved about it is they picked the gay couple as a symbol of pure love. Yeah. That's, that was the thing. And oh that's why they got picked. Yeah, that and that's amazing. Gosh, I totally forgot about that. It opens your eyes to you know, love is love. Love is love. It doesn't yeah, matter. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter, and it was. It, it's so nice. You mm-hmm. guys have got to see this movie. It's it's very interesting, and I have a happy announcement. Yes. Uh, my daughter Susie had a little baby boy named Jackson. Yes, and the picture she sent me, he's so adorable. Oh, he's so cute. He is adorable, adorable, adorable. Yes. He is the cutest little thing, and I am just over the moon excited. How much did he weigh when he was born? He was seven pounds, four ounces. He's tiny. Oh, he's a little teeny thing. He'll grow up to be a big guy because my sack was five, five pounds, uh, just under, like, just barely under six pounds. So it was five pounds, whatever that is. Oh, okay. And so he was so tiny, but now he is, like, pretty much six foot tall and yeah. so muscular. Oh, nice. So, yeah. I got to go see him last weekend. And, oh. and Ardine took care of my Millie taking, girl. Yeah, care of little Millie, silly Millie. <laughs> she spent the weekend with me, didn't you, girl? 
and she loved her, her brother Gavin. Oh my gosh, she was so in love with Gavin. She was obsessed. She, he went to bed and she scratched her door like, come out. Like, why are you going to bed? Like, what's going on? I'm like, come on, Millie. And it was like nine o'clock. And so she, in the morning, she right away, like, because he gets up early, she was like, he's up, he's up. And she's like coming over to like, Come on, wake up. Open the door. I got to get out. <laughs> she does. She, she is loves so... female energy. I think it's because she's around female energy all the time. Okay. And so she just, because like when Zach comes home, she's all over him. And so I think, and Brandon. Oh, yeah. Brandon. I mean, she's just all over male energy. So when I came back from my second drum class, which was a blast. I can't wait to see your drum. Oh, I can't wait till it's done. We just did the design of the mandala. Mm. So next month, we're going to start painting each section of the mandala. And then at the end, we do the details and we'll have a potluck. So I can't wait. I already have pictures in my mind how I'm going to do it. And... I came back. She was cuddle on the couch with him, and like she, you know how you bend your knees? knees. She was right there where the behind the knees and her, and she, you know, I opened the door and she just looked at me. She didn't move. She was all chill, like, "Hey, what's up?" You know. I'm like, "Okay, okay, be that way." And I was like jealous. I'm like, "You got my little biatch." <laughs> she was so cute. She was like so relaxed. Watching TV with Emma was the cutest thing. I mean, she is adorable. I will watch her anytime. I love her so much. I know. Ardina and I are going to go down south again. To, when uh, My son lives in St. George area, but we're going to go down in March, on March 12th, so we can go to, um, there's a store I love there, Gypsy Emporium, and I can't wait to show you that. With every, It's also a consignment store, so there's like, think, this place is humongous. Okay. With things on consignment and everything, okay. too. Um, and then uh, we're gonna stop by the Zion Park. Yeah, we can go. They have a bunch of stores there too. Oh yeah, yeah. I go I up there dying to, to go my, see those. A lot of my crystals, so we yeah. can head up there as well. Um, and Zach said, I told Zach yesterday, okay, we're coming March twelfth, but just for the day. But I'm sorry. And so he was like, okay, well, you're gonna like pick me up, right? Yes. And I was yeah. like, of course. And Ash is gonna come with us, so they're gonna have to squeeze in the back end of my. Then let's car. go in my car. Are you sure? Of course. Let's yeah, go in my I'll car. I thought it was just the two we'll of just, us. No, we're going to have two have, of the limos okay. with you. That's Sorry. fine. Then let's go in my car. Yeah. And yeah. We'll okay. get it ready and we'll go in my car. That's oh, my not a big deal. will be grateful because his of legs are so long. Uh, he's so big. Yeah. <laughs> he, there's no way he's going to fit in your car. But I'm excited. And we're, he wants us to go eat. And he took me here there last week. And it's called Mozzalan. Okay. It's a Mexican food place. And it was so good. Okay. You? Let's go eat there. So yes. Yeah. He's like, we're going to Matsalan and and I really like I I'm not a morning person but I told Ash she needs to spend the night so we can leave here to meet you at like we'll leave here at 4 30 so we can leave at 5 a.m from your house okay because six seven eight nine that'll put us there at nine okay and give us like at least five hours to go to all the shops we're gonna have fun guys we'll come back with good stories good stories good and st- pictures we'll share pictures yeah. it'll be all fun okay so what's crazy is that my phone you see that I just saw that too. And it, and there's something in my apartment that moves my phone all the time. I just saw it move by itself. Because you have the same phone, phone, and it does not do that. But my phone moves by itself. And you all had the it time. perfectly on top of your notebook. Yeah, and I, I just saw it go. Whoop. 
Yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy. Oh my gosh, now I've got chills. So I I'm just sorry. saw it and I was like, <laughs> and your hands are both on the table. Yeah, like I'm not you were like that, nothing. This, nothing. So okay, okay, that's fine. So, so I get little friendly things that come in. I, yeah, I think that They're I actually curious. think it is Faye because um, they are mischievous. Okay, they like yeah. to play. And they like to play. Yeah. And for some reason, they have something against my phone because they don't touch anything else. They always touch my phone and they push it off the counter. I've had it come flying off the counter, off my nightstand. It's insane. Okay, I believe in that. I didn't before, but I did a class, but I thought it was just learning how to make, you know, the little... Fairy gardens. Fairy gardens, uh -huh. right? And so she did some meditation, some prayers, and she says, you have to leave a piece of chocolate out. Uh -huh. So I had a little tiny chocolate cookie. I'm like, all right, I'll just leave that. And at night, I can hear noise. I can hear noise shuffling. And I'm like, that's weird. What is it? Like, you know, like when you have a, a mouse or something. Yeah. I'm like, is that a mouse? And then it would stop. And I'm like, what the... I have a picture. I'll try to find it. It's on my old phone. It had a bite. It had, like, someone went and, and literally took a bite. A tiny mouth. Yeah. I I will find that picture, and I will, I I will upload it. I believe in the fate. What uh, solidified that for me was my Jasper, my brownie, which is, that's part of the fate, mm -hmm. would come. And if I put Millie's bed at the end of my bed, he loved that bed. Okay. And he would come and just be on that bed. So I think I told that story in the about yeah. me, how like it freaked me the hell out the first time. Yeah. Because I was like, mouse. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, that's weird. So I called her and I said, this is what happened. She's like, well, that's what the class was about. I said, I thought it was like a craft thing. And she's like, oh no. Oh no, I was opening the door to the Fay world. I'm like, oh, okay. I didn't say nothing. I'm like, that's weird. <laughs> it's true. They're for real. They're for real. And and I do see things that, like, I have glued on there, and they'll be moved. Like, I have some crystals on there, and they'll be moved. I have some little gnomes and fairies, and the fairy will be knocked over. And it's like, okay. So I just think, you know, I'll just fix it, clean it up, and yeah. put it back. And I glue it. And it was knocked over again. I'm like, okay, so I guess it is. Yeah, they're real. They're real. And as long as you treat them well, like leave mm -hmm. them chocolate and stuff, they won't bother you. But if oh. you piss them off, then you're going to see a lot of stuff being missing. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's pretty interesting. Wow. I need to learn more about that then. Yeah. They're they're definitely around. I didn't used to believe in them either, but they are definitely around. So, see, I moved my phone. It has not moved at all now. But it moved. Yeah. I actually, when and I am not making this up. I saw it in and I'm like, that's weird. And then you mentioned it, and I'm like, oh. Yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy. And the other day when we were filming last time, when we were recording, it fell on the floor. And I went and picked it up, and I'm like, oh, she must have knocked it over. No. They just don't like my phone. Huh? I don't know why. And it never let's happens. Let's do this. Put my phone on, and let's see if it happens to my phone. And like when I had... Take a, a picture of how it is with yours. Like let's, when, let's, let's, when I had my Android, mm -hmm. it never bothered it. But as soon as I got this Apple phone, okay, that's when. It, and there's my big cup of coffee. When we post the picture, you guys will see. We'll see. Okay. I am a coffee. Let's caller. experiment this while we're recording. Yes. Let's All see. right. Uh, so. See if I like your phone. 
Are we ready? I am ready, guys. Oh, oh, I got goosebumps. I don't know anything about this story, so it's going to be the first time for me, too. Yeah. So It's, it's going to be a doozy, so I definitely am going to do card re- a card, pull a card at each. Oh, yes. And of what I do, and I'm going to use my Shaman Dream Oracle because they're very, like, uh, high vibration and spiritual. Okay. So... That'll help us because we definitely going to need that. Need it, yeah. Okay. So let me give our disclaimer first. So what happens after dark does not condone violence or murder. We are here to just present the facts of some really screwed up individuals. Um, and then I'm going to start by list, listing out the victims first so we okay. can honor them. And there mm-hmm. are quite a few, but that's okay. So we've got Thomas Lundgren. He was 14. Um, Mark Sheldon. Shelton, sorry, 17. Marcus Grabs, 17. Donald Hyden, 15. David Burrio, 17. Robert uh, Weirstick, 18. Um, There was a John Doe, they didn't know his age. Frank Fox, 18. Michael McDonald, 16. Charles Miranda, 14. James Michael McCabe, 12. Ronald Zatlin, 18. Russell Pugh, 15. Glenn Baker, 15. Henry Todd Turner, 15. Stephen Wood, 16. Larry Sharp, 18. Darren Kendrick, 19. Sean King, 14. Stephen Wells, 18. Another John Doe that was unknown. And another John Doe that they aged between 15 and 27. Wow. So young. Yeah. All of these young men brutally murdered. You're going to learn. Um, I do want to talk about the one survivor. And so if you haven't figured out who we're going on about today, it is William Bowman. Um, he is the free, he was known as the freeway killer. Um, this happened in California along um, a lot of dumpings around like on the 101 freeway, which is a major mm-hmm. um, freeway there in California. So the one survivor, his name is David McVicker. Um, he survived being raped by Bonin in 1975. McVicker was hitchhiking in Garden Grove. I used to work in Garden Grove. Um, on the last day of summer vacation when Bonin picked him up and attacked him at gunpoint. <sighs> McVicker was 14. And he was released alive, which there was no others that were released alive. Wow. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, and so McVicker feeling dirty and ashamed, he told only his best friend what had happened. His mother never wanted to hear the details, McVicker said. Um, uh, school started not mattering so much. Um, he recalled toss, uh, tossing his science book at the teacher not long after school opened. So he's like trying to process this all on his own, oh. which... He shouldn't have to do that. But, I mean, when something like this happens, I think even as a female, mm-hmm. and I'm going to say, thank God, I have never been in this situation no, of being raped. I hope never. Yeah, I pray for all females that this ne- it never happens. It's but back just, then in the 70s and early 80s, hitchhiking was very common. Oh, yeah. I remember. I don't see very many hitchhikers No, they don't. Anymore. You don't see them anymore. No. So McVicker quit school that same year, and despite sporadic um, stints in continuation high schools, he never received a diploma. Um, McVicker at 35, he was a disc jockey at Santa Ana nightclub. He used to go to Santa Ana all the time. He said he has been forced to endure uh, endure a rash of slurs and graceless jokes from acquaintances 
relating to the attack. So somebody, friend something, told people. And so, you know, he gets tortured because of that. Um, so, so they bully him over it? Oh, yeah. Crazy, huh? It wasn't even oh, his fault. Oh, that's sad. So a boss once fired him after reading a magazine article that the, that um, erroneously suggested McVicker was a bone and accomplice, not a victim. <sighs> it's like being raped again oh, like over and over is what Morally, he said. Morally, yes. Yeah, because he's having to endure this. Um, so he's been haunted by a new demon in recent weeks. So this is pulled from um, Murderpedia and Wikipedia. So this was like an article back in that time. Um, in recent weeks, as Bonin's execution nears, McVigor, uh, so it's around the time when Bonin was going to be executed. Okay. Mm. Um, so he was having nightmares, like replaying the rape over and over and waking <sighs> up and he'd be sweating and just screaming. Did he have to go to court to be a witness? I'm not sure. We might read that further down okay. in the story. I can't remember, but it is a possibility. Mm-hmm. Um, and it wasn't just like a, once a night. Like he would. This was like several times a night. He would wake up with this this nightmare. <sighs> um, so then uh, the nightmares had forced his girlfriend to have to sleep in a separate room just because it was crazy. Um, and then sometimes he says, sometimes I wake myself up yelling, um, imagine going to sleep and getting raped and stabbed 10 to 12 times a night. Oh my God. Yeah. So over and over and over. I just, I wanted to just tell a little bit of his story because I think he's a hero. Yes. Bless Um, his heart. Yeah. I mean, he's definitely a victim and I don't know. I mean, if it was me, I would probably just say, just kill me, because I would not want to live endure over and over that dream of being raped and stabbed mm-hmm. and just having to, like, go on the rest of my life with it. So I think he's heroic. I really, yes, really definitely. Do. And strong. Yeah, and strong. Strong to have survived that and mm-hmm. to try to, you know, make it through life with that horrible experience. Yeah. Even after Bonin was gone and killed, I think it would still haunt. Maybe oh, not yeah. as much Somehow. because in that fear of he's going to get me if I tell my story mm-hmm. type of deal, but still just having to relive that. I just can't. Hopefully he he's been getting help. Yeah. Now that he's mm-hmm. somehow been able to Yeah, move and on. I wrote this. I pulled all this so long ago. I can't remember if he um you know, if he was getting continual help or not, but hopefully he'll come up again when I do okay. victims at the okay. end. So. so let's talk about the monster now. Yes. So he was born William George Bonin. Um, he was dubbed the freeway killer. He was American serial killer and twice paroled sex offender who committed the rape, torture, murder of a minimum of 21 young men and boys in series of killings in Southern California from May 1979 to June 1980. So in one year. In one year. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. Yep. And I, I, like I said, I was born and raised in Southern California. So when they talk about these landmarks and stuff, I'm just it like. It kind of hits home a little yeah. bit. Yeah. In 1979, I would have been turning uh, 10. So, oh. yeah, it's crazy. Oh, God. Um, on at least 12 occasions, Bonin was assisted by one of his four known accomplices. 
he is also suspected of committing a further 15 murder uh, a yeah further 15 murders so I think there's somewhere like those Jane Doe's that fall mm -hmm. in and stuff or John Doe's they don't really know the full thing of it so let's talk about his childhood and see what parents screwed him up so bad yeah that turned him to this, or if it was an uncle or whatever. So William George Bill um, Wonen was born to a um, Willimantic, or was born in Willimantic, Connecticut, on January eighth, nineteen forty-seven. He was the second of three sons, each of whom were three years apart. He was born to Robert Leonard Bonin Sr. Um, he lived from nineteen nineteen to nineteen eighty. Um, and Alice Dorothy Bonin, um, I think her uh, maiden, name, maiden last name was Nikote. Um, she was born 1920 and passed away in 2004. Um, Bonin's parents were both alcoholics. Bingo, there you go. Both. Yeah. His father was a machinist, an ill-tempered uh, war veteran, and gambling addict who was frequently physically abusive towards his wife in the presence of his children. There you go. And who is known to have occasionally beaten his sons during his wife's absence. In contrast, his mother was an overbearing, codependent, and passive woman who suffered from wild mood swings and who spent much of the, her free time on the, at the French club, a, link, a local bingo parlor, as her sons remained unattended at home, often moody and bedridden, Bowden's mother seldom cooked meals for the family. So yeah. his mom right there, overbearing, you know, just took the abuse. And I mean, unfortunately, my kids saw stuff in front of them as well, but I'm very grateful they didn't turn out. The they didn't way. turn out crazy. It's just mm -hmm. strange. So, so what makes some of them snap. be okay and others snap to an extreme yeah because that's extreme yeah it's very extreme and it's just insane it's just i don't know <sighs> um so frequently arguing with his wife um i think this is the dad who obtained a job at a local thread mill to supplement for his gambling habit habit um so they fought over finances bonin's father lost their home in andover connecticut in a high-stakes poker game in January of 1950, forcing the family to reside with Bonin's mother in Wilmatic um, and continuing to spend his money each night by gambling and drinking at local bars. So his dad was just gone all the time. Mm. And just spending, I mean, to lose your house, that's a huge, that's like a huge issue. I mean. I had a friend in high school. The husband had a gambling issue and he gambled her. Oh my gosh. To human trafficking. Mm -hmm. wow. But it was just like, um, okay, you gotta go, you know, make my buddy that I lost to happy for a couple days in. Okay, no. <laughs> and she's like, no. Yeah. You gotta figure out how you're gonna pay him that because no. Yeah. Gosh, dang. But just to think of it. Mm-hmm. No. Mm -mm. Yeah, that's human slavery. Mm-hmm. <sighs> okay, so consequently, the siblings were severely ne neglected as children. Um, with their parents really not at home at all, 
Um, and in spite of the dysfunctional environment, Bonin and his brothers were actively raised Catholic by their parents and baptized according to church doctrine. Again, extreme religion, I really feel like, uh, pushes people to those yeah. as well. Um, so they attended St. Mary's Catholic School, um, where staff repeatedly made complaints of Bonin's aggression toward other students. So he did start young. Um, absence from school, not paying attention in class, and an incident in which he rode his bike into a group of young girls. Um, for this offense, Bonin was briefly placed in juvenile hall. And, after, and then after returning home, Bonin was reportedly... Uh, more uh, re recal recalcitrate towards his parents. I'm not sure. Sorry, guys. Then before the punishment, um, receiving constant complaints from various authorities and locals regarding Bonin and his older brother's delinquency, the parents frequently neglected to discipline their children, began to feel stress regarding their two sons. So even though they were getting beat, they were still very, like, undisciplined. Well, they're not home to discipline them or teach them anything. No. And kids learn from what they see in their parents. So mm -hmm. what they're seeing, you know. And the fact that he drove his bicycle into a group of girls with the intention of hurting them bad. I mean, this should That's be red flags. That, yeah, that should, yeah. I, you would think anyways. <sighs> okay, so on September 6th of 1953, Bonin's mother placed Bonin and his older brother in the Franco-American School located at 357 Pawtucket Street in Lowell, Massachusetts. In an apparent effort to protect her children from the ongoing domestic violence within the family home. So eventually she must have got sick and tired of it, you know. But she put the two older ones. What about the younger? I know. There's not much mention of this younger brother. Oh. I don't know what happened to him. Um, so the Catholic convent was known to severely discipline the children it housed for major and minor breaches of conduct mm -hmm. with punishment punishments administered including harsh beatings stress positions like stress positions would that like i guess crumpling up your body or something or, something, or yeah. standing for hours oh yeah that would come me mm -hmm. um, repeatedly pacing staircases until exhausted and partial drowning in sinks filled with ice water. Um, I'm gonna tell you guys something right now because that staircase thing remind me. So I have watched a family mother, a member, AKA my brother. This is what he would do to his children when they misbehaved. Mm -hmm. 17 steps, they had to run it and run it and run it until he was, said they had enough. So, booyah, Don. Fuck you. Sorry, guys. There you go. <laughs> I hate my brother. Yep. <laughs> um, in more extreme cases, orphans face alleged assaults, such as having their heads dumped in toilets and being threatened with knives by older children, as well as being left with hematomas on their head and buttocks from beatings received by the nuns. Nuns scare the hell out of me. Nuns are not that saint. They're not that sweet. No. I mean, there's so they're much They're a bunch stuff. of freaks. Back in the 1950s, too, like if a girl was pregnant, they'd take them to somewhere, and mm -hmm. then the nuns would give their babies away mm -hmm. without... It just... I'm sorry. I don't mm -mm. have any respect for nuns. Um, despite these forms of mistreatment, contemporary records indicate Bonin, a typically troublesome child was observed by officials to function well under the controlled environment of his convent, of the convent. 
Um, Bonin recollected being repeatedly subject to bullying by other children at his orphanage without intervention by authorities before being defended from his peer um, abuse, a 13-year-old orphan in 1955. Mm. According to Bonin, this individual escorted him to a restroom where Bonin agreed to um, sexual advances from this individual under the condition that the older boy's hands were bound with a towel to make Bonin himself feel safer. Um, Loosing the restraints, the orphan performed fellatio on Bonin before attempting to rape him and forcing Bonin to orally copulate him. Oh my gosh. So he got abused there. That's, yeah. That's where all the rage comes from. Is Yeah, he's already got that anger, but then to have, I mean, obviously he was, I think at some point enjoying this himself, this, mm-hmm. but I think this is like the beginning of what is making him mm-hmm. driven to what's mm-hmm. coming. Um, following the assault, Bonin vowed to never let this happen to him again, later claiming in his life that no abuse had taken place by staff. Bonin confessed to being forced to punch a fence by nuns when he misbehaved. Oh, gosh, that would hurt. That would make his hands all bloody and beat up. Um, as neither parent visited Bonin or his older brother, whom staff forbade from interacting with each other, so even though his brother was there, he never got to interact with them. Um, at the convent, he became worried his parents had died. Bonin was to remain at the convent until May 31st, 1955, when he he then returned to live with his parents in a home owned by Bonin's maternal grandfather, uh, located at 465 Stafford Road in Mansfield, Connecticut. Um, And so he, yeah, he's gone back to his parents now, to the drunk atmosphere again and stuff so I feel like it's just more more of that um, he did start attending an elementary there called Annie Vinton Elementary School and now it's with his younger brother so maybe the older brother is still in, this still in that convent yeah oh, okay sad and so he uh, with whom he was frequently seen roaming the town at school Bonin was known to classmates as a juvenile delinquent who was often in trouble or absent um, poorly dressed and unkempt, uh, aggressive with peers, had no observable friends, and was often bullied for his strange behavior. Um, I really feel like kids can be the worst towards each other. Like, I've seen it, and I was bullied myself, so I know that it's, it is it's horrible, and I yeah. feel like it's just it's sometimes hard to bounce back from that. You and know. I think it's a reflection from probably home. Oh, yeah. And they go to school and, you know, take it out at school. Yeah, my son was horribly bullied to yeah. a point that was awful. Yeah, so was Felix. He yeah. was bullied. Bullied in high school. I wish they could see down the road the damage that does. They, they, yeah. Because even to come back and say you're sorry doesn't fix that. Cause it doesn't. I had a girl at church that put gum in my hair and bullied me to no end and then we reconnected as adults and her guilt was horrible but I'm like do you have any idea what you did to me exactly you know and and sorry isn't it doesn't always gonna take it back no so makes me sad Mm -hmm. um so being ashamed of his sexual attraction to younger children and male teachers Bonin isolated himself from other um Let's see, sorry. 
others to whom he struggled to relate, neighbors in Mansfield later failed to re uh, recollect either parent spending any significant time with their sons. Um, and one neighbor said, observing their uncut, dirty, and hungry condition, occasionally provided meals and clean clothes to Bonin and his younger brother out of sympathy. After noting that they had made their own food and witnessing Bonin throw sharp darts at his younger brother who had been uh, positioned against a tree. Gosh, dang it. So oh my God. His own brother. And they're still in elementary time, like school age. Um, furthermore, from their early childhood to 1957, Bonin and his brothers were frequently placed in the care of their maternal grandfather. Um, he was, the grandfather was a child molester who had sexually abused Bonin's mother until her adulthood and who Bonin's mother suspected of molesting his grandsons during the prolonged instances where they were under his care. So if the mom knows that. Yeah, and she, and she brings children, with him. Even though. Knowing. Yep. Yeah, that's to me child neglect. I mean. Of course. You know, you just. Oh. Yeah. Keep, so I oh. can see how this monster is being created. Mm -hmm. Like there's just things, you know. Um, so, in addition, Bonin's parents occasionally left Bonin and his younger brother, Paul, under the care of his eldest brother, Robert Jr., who, receiving the majority of their father's abuse for defending their mother, often beat and belittled his siblings. Largely devoid of consequences and parental supervision, Bonin began stealing hubcaps, license plates, and metal tags off vehicles in town. And after receiving repeated complaints by angry neighbors, Bonin's father merely yelled at his son for stealing. So not like any kind of like... Discipline. Yeah. Just don't do it again. Yeah. And why are you stealing these things? What is he doing with them? <laughs> Attention. Attention is yeah. sometimes a cry for help. This is true. Yeah. Um, in 1957, Bonin was arrested for stealing metal tags from vehicle license plates. He was placed in a juvenile detention center for these offenses and various other minor crimes. While incarcerated, he was molested by an adult counselor assigned to control and monitor the juvenile offenders. Gosh. Oh, my God. I mean, I feel bad for the child, not for this who he became, but I do feel bad for what him as a child. What made him become what he... Yeah, the circumstances he had to go through as a child to get to that made him the monster he is. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, and I don't condone. No. Or I'm not finding an excuse, but that's a lot to go through. It is a lot to go through. Um, let's see. So following Bonin's release from the detention home, he began sexually fondling his younger brother oh gosh after six months Bonin's younger brother informed their mother of the fondling gosh it's awful mm. his parents to uh, let's see yeah so they did he did Paul did complain and prompting his parents to force Bonin to sleep in his own bedroom Bonin later confessed to fondling and orally copulating younger boys and stripping in the presence of a 10 year old girl at school while in the neighborhood. Oh, okay. And honestly, I mean, there's, I was sexually molested by my father, and mm. there are things that I did 
that I'm not proud of be, that stem from that sexual abuse. But I'm very grateful that it did not go to the yeah, extreme. No. So. Yeah. Jesus Christ. Yeah. It was. So. Yeah. Keep going because I'll wait till the end. Yeah. We're going to talk about his adolescence. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We got time. Go ahead. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. So um, his adolescence. Um, so he went to the middle school adjacent to Coventry High School in 1959 and 1960. Bonin had failing grades and isolated himself from others, at one point attempting incest with an older female cousin. Mm. In late 1960, Bonin's mother kicked his father out of their home, earning custody of her children, with the court declaring his father unfit grounds um, on grounds of spousal abuse and frequent drunken absences. <sighs> Um, due to the gambling addiction of Bonin's father, which resulted in the pro- uh, prospect of the foreclosure of the family home. So now even like the grandparents home, I'm thinking is now he's lost that maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. And then Bonin's parents reconciled and opted to, and opted to relocate from Connecticut to California after Bonin's recently fired father was offered a well-paying job in Downey, California. I lived in the next city. We used to go to Downey. This is so crazy for me. It's like memory lane. Oh, <laughs> my God. Yeah. And so he was a machinist. Um, he got hired on as a machinist there in California. And I know that machinists, they make pretty good They make, they good, make money, good money, right? Yeah. Yeah, because I feel like that's a dying art. Because even when I worked for an air conditioning company in California, Mm -hmm. they have the sheet metal workers Mm -hmm. and they were getting very desperate because no, but no, no one wanted to learn that trade anymore. Mm -hmm. So, but it's dangerous too. Like if he's not like, let's say he's drinking and he goes with a hangover, (sighs) he's not with all his senses there. He could have, you know, gotten hurt, hurt other people too. So I didn't even think about that. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. In early 1962, the family relocated to 2417 West, 187th Street in Torrance, California, where that's at. Although both parents were generally neglectful of their children, Bonin had and his brothers were primarily raised by their mother, who often displayed inordinately domineering and emancipating emasculating behavior toward Bonin. So, again, male serial killer comes back to mother. Mm-hmm. It's I just have been seeing this over and over. It's insane to me. It just mm-hmm. I mean, both of his parents were awful people. Yeah. But, again, his mother is, you know, he's being demas- or emasculated, so he's being told you're probably like a wussy boy or uh-huh. whatever. So. Sissy or whatever. <sighs> Parents, you do so much damage to your children sometimes. Sometimes, yeah. Um, Bonin attended North High School in Torrance, where he was regarded as a social outcast who scarcely interacted with his peers, although his younger brother later recollected Bonin as an outwardly well-behaved teenager with an apparently caring personality, whom he nicknamed Goody Two-Shoes for his temperament. (laughs) Oh, my God. But I mean, during the time he was, that was a goody That's not a goody too. For sure, that's what I'm. This guy is far from. <laughs> Can you imagine what would have been if he was like, 
evil. Like if that's a goody two shoe. <laughs> I can't imagine his his you know his description of what evil was. <laughs> Holy crap! Oh my gosh! There goes the devil with his goody two shoes. <laughs> <laughs> what the heck? <laughs> oh, let's see. So, oh, and his brothers say he gives the clothes off his back. So Paul later remarked of his brother's generosity. If he had been, or if he had a bag of candy, he gave it away. Bonin's mother also later recalled of her middle son. According to Bonin, who is something of an awkward, shy loner who generally felt uncomfortable in the presence of his peers. Consequently, Bonin is not known to have any, or formed any long-standing or close friendships through his adolescence. Mm. He was also self-conscious of his facial features and refused to smile in public due to his misaligned teeth. Oh. His primary hobby as a teen was bowling. Oh gosh, I love bowling. I do too. <laughs> in the 70s, that was like the thing. Like, And I wasn't like super old in the 70s, but I remember going bowling a lot with my dad. And then also, um, I was always at the skating rinks. Oh yeah, skating, I yeah. When I think of the 70s and early 80s, 80s that's where that's my mind skating, goes. yep. <laughs> and hanging out at the mall. Um, let's see. So something at which he performed adequately, so he was good at bowling. Um, this hobby would last through the course of his teenage years. Falling asleep in class due to late nights at the bowling alley, Bonin frequently missed school and was suspended on one occasion. So he was just partying too much with the balls. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. I just in free class with his balls. <laughs> He had too much going on with his balls. <laughs> so by his teenage years, Bonin had developed an unrelenting and obsessive interest in pedophilia, <gasps> keeping his emerging feelings for young boys a secret. His sexuality later became the basis of a long-standing conflict with his mother, who believed his sexual inclinations to be a curable social disorder. I'm going to stop right there for a minute because... Of all the shit that's going on right now in our country, Tennessee, who now has passed laws Mm -hmm. that you cannot um, be, you know, if you're LGBTQI, you can't be out in public, you know, like talking to children or drag queens reading books to children or anything. And um, this stuff pisses me off, especially when his mother is saying, you know, this is just, it's curable. People, this is not curable. No. You're born the way you're born. And, you know, it just, and you love who you love. Ardeen said that. Yeah. He said that earlier. It yeah. is who you love. And and I think that by being told this is curable, like that demeans that person. I would never say that to my kids who, mm-hmm. you know, a couple are openly gay. And so I'm just like... Mm-hmm. I don't know. This stuff makes me so mad. And mm, the way yeah. things are going right now, I'm just like, I feel like this is Well, we have evolved over. from that. If yeah. you look at the times, then, oh, yeah. that does. was so wrong and abnormal. Like, even in my teenage years, that was abnormal, too. So, yeah, me too. Yeah, so I get that. But it angers you because mm-hmm. it's no different than now. People, yeah. God knows how long back... 
it's felt that through way. all of history. Mm-hmm. There's always been, that. but because it's so frowned upon and mm-hmm. belittled mm-hmm. and told that you're so bad or abnormal have, because of it, but yeah. it's not. Yeah, no, no. That's so, so I do feel bad for this portion of him that was told off. Mm-hmm. Um, so as such, the two frequently argued about his homosexual attraction. Very seldom, Bonin attempted to publicly court and or interact with females um, as an adolescent. So he, you know, because of the norm back then, mm-hmm. he's trying to fit in. He's trying to like, you know, hey, let me Shake like it girls off or, instead of yeah. guys. Um, on one occasion, he was humiliated and rejected by a girl whom he had worked up his courage to approach and ask her for a date. Um, this incident wounded his self-esteem and increased Bonin's belief that he just couldn't make it with girls as romantic partners. He resolved to never allow female to hurt him this deeply again. Despite this, Bonin, desiring to please his mother and appear normal, soon began dating a young girl at his high school named Linda, shortly after turning 17, with whom he was never completely comfortable. That's like us, I don't know, that you're trying to force a person to fit into the social norm and or fit into a box and they're mm-hmm. round. In this mold. Yeah, so, yeah, poor guy on that. Okay, so following these events, Bonin lured and molested several neighborhood children, pleading get oh. guilty to a petty theft charge for which he was fined $56 in the late 1965. So $56. Well, that was probably a lot then. Yeah, I think so. Because, I mean, $56 now, you can buy a few things of groceries. and And That's it. Yeah, it's awesome. Tank of gas. (laughs) In early 1966, Bonin dropped out of high school and obtained employment with the help of his father. Bonin's mother, allegedly extremely emotionally controlling and protective of her son, reportedly refused to acknowledge his acts of molestation, as well as the general escalating antisocial behavior exhibited by Bonin throughout his adolescence. Mm. Um, Unable to sleep and frequently worried, he would be arrested for petty crime or crimes involving children. She prayed for him and warned him often, frustrating um, Bonin. So, you know, and like I, I... I believe in God and I do say my prayers, mm-hmm. but sometimes, and I'm not, I'm not saying this is bad, but sometimes when my mom says, I'm praying for you, that makes me very frustrated because I know that's coming from a place of this, of that religion. Mm-hmm. And so it makes me mad. So I can kind of feel that frustration with him a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, nonetheless, Bonin's mother later expressing extreme disappointment and contempt for her middle son's sexuality and actions, evicted her son from the household on at least one occasion for undisclosed reasons. Lacking motivation and frequently borrowing money from his parents, Bonin joined the military with his mother's encouragement in December of 1966. Mm -hmm. Um, So, and Linda stays in the picture for a little bit, this girl he met in um, high school. school. Mm -hmm. Okay. And so, deciding to marry upon his return home, oh, um, so it's the engagement and he was in the U.S. Air Force. Okay, so that's a little bit older. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, So, Bonin and Linda became engaged. This engagement had largely been on the 
um, the hest of his mother, with whom Bonin held a recurrent source of conflict pertaining to his evident homosexuality and who insisting he led a he, that he needs to lead a heterosexual lifestyle. Um, so she believed the prospect of marriage would quell her son's sexual preference. So Linda, I mean, if it's this evident to the mom, it's got to be ev- evident to her, of course. So I'm not quite sure where her headspace was in this, but I don't know. Bonin joined the United States Air Force with his mother's persuasion, who hoped it would cure his inclination toward chaos. He served as a cook for four months in Alaska. Bonin was then arrested for the theft on October 25, 1967, as his departure was imminent. However, Bonin's case was dropped. Stationed in Fuloy Base Camp, he served five months of active duty in the 205th Assault Support Helicopter Unit during the Vietnam War as an aerial gunner, logging over 700 hours of combat and patrol time. Wow, that's a lot. That's a lot. Yeah, and I... I know. Well, that was a nasty war, too. Photos Vietnam. and stuff. Like, our guys did not come back from Vietnam altogether. PS- PTSD, yeah. major. Mm-hmm. I think any war does that to somebody. But anybody. I know the Vietnam War because of Agent really, Orange yeah. and everything. It just, it was such a bad situation. Um, Bonin was later to claim that his experiences in Vietnam instilled a belief within him that human life is overvalued and that humans generally overestimate their value in society, emphasizing feelings of power and independence while in the service. Despite this, he is known to have risked his own life on one occasion while under enemy fire to save the life of a wounded fellow airman. For this act, Bonin received a medal in recognition of his gallantry, among other medals. According to Bonin, he engaged in allegedly consensual relations with four young girls and a number of homosexual encounters in Vietnam, (sighs) as well as a 25-year-old female prostitute in Hong Kong. (sighs) Although he confessed sexually assaulting two soldiers under his command at gunpoint during the period of the Tet Offensive, largest escalations of the Vietnam War. That was like the biggest... Oh my like, God. Uh, offensive measure. Um, Bonin served nearly two years in the, uh, in the Air Force before receiving an honorable discharge on October 25th, 1968, at the age of 21. So he's still really young. And he's already got a taste for killing. Yeah, he's got, it's in his blood now. Like it's, and what amazes me is that he's been honorably discharged. Discharged. It just After raping two. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. Um, so let's see. Upon returning home, Bonin discovered that his fiance, who by this stage had given birth to their son, so he had children. Gosh. Oh, my God. Wow. Okay. Had left him to marry another man. During Bonin's engagement, he repeatedly informed his fiance, fiance, He suffered from recurring nightmares in which he would sexually assault a faceless young woman in a deserted place before discarding her corpse in a shallow grave. According to Bowman's fiance, he frequently woke up in tears and physically trembling from this nightmare. As a result of these concerning behaviors, the relationship was short-lived. 
He would later um, summarize his relationship with this young woman as a big mistake and a personal failure of his, primarily fueled by his mother, his mother's pressure. Uh, yeah, and view of what he should be. Um, so he he worked as a gas station attendant then, and feeling betrayed and frustrated, returned to Downey to live with his parents, whom he uh, resented for frequency, frequently requesting his help. Several family members noted a marked difference in his behavior following his military service, although Bonin refused to elaborate as to the changes in his demeanor. So, I mean, I just feel like, you know, people come back from war and they're just different. And we've talked about his early life now and his adolescence and all the things that happened that led up to um, what we're going to talk about in the next episode, which is starting to look at his convictions, Mm -hmm. um, what, what William Bonin did in real life. Um, it's just, it's going to get even more hairy from here. Um, again, feel bad for the child. Let's ease them up. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Feel bad for the child, but Mm -hmm. not for the crimes that he committed. Yes. Um, and as we go forward, you'll see why I wanted to honor those victims. Definitely. First, um, again, it touches my heart because they are, you know, it's LGBTQ. They're these young men, you know, they didn't. They didn't have a choice. No. There's no choice so in this young. at all. But there was something you were going to ask me, and you said you'd wait till the end. Do you remember? So how come the brothers didn't turn up like See, that? That's, I know. That, again, I feel really comes back to, I think, the makeup in your brain. Because these other two, you know, they did not turn the out this way. same abuse and didn't turn out that way. So Yeah, weren't popular. I don't know what their lives look like. I didn't really research the brothers. That could be maybe something I follow up with. But, um, yeah, they're not really mentioned too much moving forward. I don't think they ended up like that. So, uh, yeah, that's where we're at. So we're going to do a palate cleanser, drop some of my cards, but that's okay. Um, The one that came out is um, Spirit of the River Movement Toward Adventure. And it is number 50. And it says, uh, movement toward adventure, addiction to problems, allowing and trusting the current. So the spirit of the river invites you to step into the flow, to stop swimming against or or avoiding the current. Allow the waters to carry you downstream away from the eddies and whirlpools. It's time to heed the call of a new adventure waiting you. Um, So stop working on the problem for a while. Um, the issue is not what it seems. It's your addiction to fixing um, what has gone bad that is consuming so much of your time. Work to create a greater good, and the bad will resolve itself on mm-hmm. its own. Um, so really with this card, what I'm picking up is just that you're, you need to refocus yourself. You need to stop thinking about the shoulda, coulda situation and trying to fix that part that maybe didn't go bad or didn't go right like you know when you have a conversation mm-hmm. sometimes and you're like why did I say that mm-hmm. why did I do that and you want to go back and fix it mm-hmm. so stop fixating on that that couldn't mm-hmm. didn't happen and just keep going yeah exactly oh. and so um that's that's where we're at today so guys make it a good day go out and and follow the spirit of the the river and go for 
the adventure that's waiting for you out there. Go with the flow. Let it happen. Let it come to you. Yeah, and don't hitchhike. Oh, never. Please, (laughs) not even today. No, don't hitchhike, guys. No, please do not, ever. Mm -mm. No, and don't ridicule anybody. Don't be a bully. Love each other. Things are crazy. Have compassion and try to help someone if you know they're going through something so terrible. You know, be that pillar they can lean on instead of the one that is going to make them tumble yeah fall apart you know be be that strength for that person in yes and help yeah well all right guys till next tuned. time stay safe stay tuned and bye, bye.